Okay, thank you all for coming and giving me the opportunity to learn Torah with you. Um, can we hear in the back? Can we hear? Yes? Okay. Just yeah. say that. Okay, what I'd like to do today, Bezrat Hashem, is to look at the phenomenon of the inverted or backward nuns, the nun hafuchas in Tanakh, um, through the prism primarily of Tehillim Kovzayin, but not only. We're not going to do everything in Tehillim Kovzayin. I know that someone's going to walk out and say, oh, but I left out those psukim and those psukim. We're not trying to do everything. But to try to build a, a large picture view of the nun hafuchas, what they're about, what the message is, and why they appear in the various places in Tanakh where they do. Okay? And uh, we're going to do that starting with Tilm Kofzayin to the degree that Tilm Kofzayin is relevant to that pursuit. We're going to look at that parak uh, in particular, but not exclusively. Okay, so on the first page of the source book, which I hope you all have, um, if you please take a look, you'll see Tilm Kofzayin in front of you. Um, my keyboard doesn't have Nun Hafuchas, so I put in uh, capital L's to represent those Nun Hafuchas. I hope everyone can get, kind of get the picture. There are different versions of exactly where the Nun Hafuchas are, but this will do for our purposes. Um, so if in your Tanakh it's slightly different, that could be. But in any case, this is uh, more or less the picture. Uh, here are the Nun Hafuchas. Okay, everyone see what I'm talking about? Those L's, those letter L's that are scattered throughout? Yes? Okay. Um, we're going to start by just looking at the structure of Perakov Zion, or at least a good part of it, for a few moments, and from there we're going to go to the meaning. Because in this Perak, as in many places in Tanakh, there is a very intimate connection between the structure and between the meaning. In fact, one of the major parts of the meaning of Tilim Kov Zion is conveyed through the structure. Okay, and you'll see that Ezra Hashem. Okay, so please take a look. First of all, there is at least one, arguably even two, but certainly one, refrain in this parak. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to take a quick look at this parak and identify what that refrain is. We'll give you a minute to do that. To see what? Okay, excellent. Beautiful. Okay, people got right away. So if you take a look, you will see... I'm going to need my glasses for this. Okay, one of the refrains, one of the refrains, and the, the primary refrain is found in Pasuk Chet. You might want to mark that off for yourselves. Pasuk Chet, Pasuk Tedvav, Pasuk Chaf Aleph, and Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Okay, again, Chet, Tedvav, Chaf Aleph, and Lamed Aleph. Okay, that clearly repeats the Hodul Hashem Kitov Kilam Chasto. It's a refrain. It is one of the markers for for dissecting the parak and seeing what the structure is. Okay? Now it's a little bit tricky because it comes at a sort of awkward place in the parak, in the in this section, meaning that it's neither the beginning nor the end or even the middle of the section, of each of the four sections, the primary sections, but rather it is the Pasuk that introduces the conclusion of that section. Okay? So just to take one example, if you look in Pasuk Chet, right, so we have in Pasuk Chet, Yodu l'adonai chasto v'niflotav l'vnei adam ki hispia nefesh shokekav v'nefesh reiva mileitov. That's the conclusion of that section. Okay? So the Yodu l'ashem, right, is the, is that they should give, they should give thanks to Hashem for his chesed, but, but then it explains why ki hispia, etc., so, Pasuk Ted is the end of section 1. Section 2 ends with Pasuk Ted Zion. Again, the one after the Yodu Lashem Chasto. And the same thing happens with Pasuk Chav Bet. And again, Pasuk Lamed Bet. Okay, so those are the basic, the basic sections, the primary sections. And when you look at those four sections, what those four sections define for us are what Chazal referred to, we're going to see this later, but what Chazal referred to in the Gemara and Brachot as the Arba Chayavim Lahodot. Right? The four categories of people who have to give Hoda'a. Okay? And we're not discussing the halachic implications of that today. That's not a different, different discussion. But what those four categories, right? Those four categories, and we're going to see if anyone wants to, you know, cheat and look ahead. It is over here someplace. Um, in on the second to last source on the second page, okay, you can see Brachot Nundal and Mabet, Arbat, Srichim Lodot, 
Yordei Hayam, Holchei Midbarot, Mishaya Cholev Nitrapei, Umishaya Chavush Bevet Asurim Viyatsa. Okay, so we have four categories of people. We'll return to who those four are very, very shortly. But again, first we're just dissecting and just figuring out what the structure is. Okay, so we have number one. The first thing we notice is that there's a bit of structure in terms of the refrain that leads into the conclusion. It breaks up into these four basic categories and that we're going to have to look at a little more closely in a moment. The other refrain of sorts, excellent, okay, vayitz'aku or vayiz'aku, depending on the pasuk you're looking at, okay, in pasuk vav, okay, in pasuk vav, vayitz'aku el Adonai batzalahem im tzukotahem yatzileim, okay, yud gimel, but here it's vayiz'aku, right, el Adonai batzalahem im tzukotahem yoshihem, okay, we go back, pasuk yutet, Again, Vayitzaku El Hashem, etc. And finally, in Pasuk Chavchet, Vayitzaku El Adonai Batzalahem Umtsukotahem Yotzeh. I'm sorry, did I read the wrong part? Chavchet. I'm sorry, I don't know what I said, but I meant Chavchet. Okay, so again, I'm going to repeat that very quickly so you can mark it off. Vav, Yud Gimel, Yud Tet, and Chavchet. Okay, so that repeats, but... Here, instead of being identical, we see that the first and the last are the same, essentially, and in terms of, you know, Litzok or Litzok, and the middle ones are the same, okay? So we have something that is already a clue to the structure here, okay? A clue to the structure here, and I have to give just a quick quick preface to this. Um, nowadays, it's very, very popular to talk about chiastic structures, Okay? And there are, there are, you know, I, I don't even have anybody in particular in mind, but I do know just from doing around that there are people who talk about chiastic structures, you know, every other day, if or more often, and maybe it's true, or maybe it's not true, or maybe it's right, or maybe it's not right. Um, it's not, I personally, you know, am a little skeptical about the plethora of chiastic structures that people find, and I think that sometimes it's a little bit forced, and sometimes a little bit contrived, and it's, you start with the assumption, and then but in any case, there certainly are some places where there is such a structure and some places where there are other types of structures. And in this particular case, I'm a huge fan of it because, as we'll see, it is very much part of the Pshan, the Psukim. It's, it is in the text itself. It's clear and explicit. So, for example, we just saw the first clue to it. The first and the last right, are the same and the middle two are the same. That's not just those two psukim, but if you read the middle two sections, meaning section two and three out of the four, and you read sections one and four, you'll see that they are conceptually and linguistically very, very similar. Okay, and we're going to take a quick look at that just to see what they're about. So what are these things about? The first one, again, we're starting from sec- we're starting from Pasuk Dalid. Okay, the first three psukim are introduction. We'll return to that, Beth Rashem, in a few minutes. But first, let's look at Pasuk Dalid. Ta'u bamidbar bishimon darech ir moshav talks about people who are lost, wandering in the desert. Okay, the to'em midbar we're going to call them. Okay, the to'em midbar these people who are wandering the, the the desert wanderers. That's the first section, and it talks about the different circumstances that and troubles that they face. Right, the hunger, thirst, etc., etc., being lost. And how ultimately Hashem puts them back on the path. Pasuk Zayin, Vayidrichem b'derech yishara lalechet al ir moshav. Hashem guides them on the path to go back to civilization. And therefore, Yodul Hashem chasto, again, as we've seen before. We go to section 4, okay, section 4, which starts from Pasuk Chaf Gimel. Okay, you're going to see these sections more clearly in a moment, but just, first we're just dissecting. Yordei hayam ba'aniyot. Now we're talking about another type of wanderer, but they're not wandering in the desert, they're wandering at sea. Okay? In the, on the waters. Your day, Hayam, Ba'aniyot, right? Etc. Hashem, etc., etc. Okay? It talks about all of the experiences of the, of the people at sea. Pasuk Chavzayin is particularly interesting, and we'll talk more about this as we go on. Yachogu v'yanu kashikor, right? The the people on the boat they are they are going in circles and they're they're like they're out. It looks like they're drunk, right? They act as if they're drunk. V'chol chachmatam titbala, and they all of their wisdom is swallowed up, 
and again by Yitzhakul Hashem Batzalahem, and so on and so forth. Okay, so those two sections are actually very similar, and we'll see more about that as we go on. The middle two sections are really, really clear. Okay, so what do the middle talk about? So the middle one, number two, section number two, which starts with Pasuk Yud, okay, starting from Pasuk Yud, talks about um, people who are, as you'll see, you can take a look at Pasuk, um, okay, so the first one is Yoshvei Choshech V'Talmavet Asirei Ani Uvarzel, Pasuk that's probably familiar to many of us. This is talking about people who are imprisoned, okay, people who are imprisoned, people who are jailed, people who are locked up. And that's what the first section talks about. Uh, and the first of the middle ones, I mean, section two. We go to Pasuk Yud Zayin. Evilim miderach pishamu ume avonotehem yitanu ko'ochotem nasham vayagiyu ad sha'arei madet, etc. And if you look at this, this talk about people who are sick, right? Cholim. And it's very similar in many ways to the section that comes right before it, aside from the fact that that Pasuk of Vayizaku is, of course, identical. Okay. So, one last thing that we're going to take note of before we turn the page and before we clarify what the structure is about, uh, begin to at least, and that is that there are these nun hafuchas. Okay, now that we're talking, now that we've defined the sections, where are the nun hafuchas? Okay, so in which section out of the four do we find the nun hafuchas? Okay, the fourth. The one that talks about to'e yam. Okay, the people who are, correct? Okay. What? Your day, yeah. right? I'm going to call them Toyam, but the, the, just for convenience. But in any case, the, the people who are at sea, the people who are traveling at sea, that's where all the Nun Hafuchas are, except for one. Okay? The last one, okay, in Pasuk Mem, we go back to Shvoch Buz on Divim, Bayat Aim Betolo Darach. Okay, which is a pasuk that really brings us back to which section? Sounds very much like the first, right? The Toei Midbar. We are now go back to the first section, essentially. It's not part of that original structure, it, but it brings us back to Toei Midbar. And here we have another Nun Hafucha. So we have a Nun Hafucha on, and I'm saying this deliberately this way, the fourth section and the first section. Okay, Dabk in that order. The fourth section and the first section. Hey, the Toei Yam and the Toei Midbar. Okay, now, let's just take a moment to pause and see what we have. Okay? First of all, let's turn the page. Let's turn the page. And here I've made it easier for you. Ah. This is the point in my regular classes where we divide the people who have been in a lot of my class before and not, the ones who have cheated and looked ahead. And <laughs> okay, in any case, if you look, we have here the four primary sections together with the Shvok uh, Buz Pasuk tacked on on the bottom. We have even numbered for you section one, section two, section three, section four. If you take a look, you can see very easily how section, how section one and two go together, how section three, I'm sorry, how sections... One and four go together, and two and three go together, um, and these are the sections in order, okay, together with the Shvokbos. Right below you have a chart that gives you the, just a quick heading of them, Toei Midbar, Asirim, Cholim, Toeyam, we could give them slightly different names, but the idea is, uh, is, is clear, and these are the four basic sections. Now, now we've had the four basic sections, we need to bring in, and I'm sorry that the, the, the board is a little, is not ideally situated, but we're going to make the do. And I brought my own markers, just I've learned from experience not to rely, even though they're very, very accommodating here, and they usually, someone has to go run and find them, so I decided not to be my triach anyone this year and bring my own. Um, here we go. I'm going to run down to this corner. If you can't see it, it's not the end of the world. I'm just going to draw a very bad imitation of either a donut or a bagel. I'm going to go with the donut because I like them better, but it could be either. It doesn't really matter. But i just like to show you for a moment about life and the donut. Okay, so bear with me. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I should have listened. I'll put it in my pocket. Okay? I think we're okay. I think it's all right. It's still breathing. It's okay. Here we go. Put this in here. 
my wife, not I, is the artist, so you'll have to bear with me. But this, imagine that this is a donut, okay? Imagine that this is a donut. And we're going to name this donut Life, okay? Now, watch very carefully. Life, sorry, life. We have over here, we have over here what we will call the shut-ins. Okay, the shut-ins. The asirim, the asirim and the cholim. Okay, the people who are shut in. Can we hear it back there? I can go louder. Is this okay? Okay, asirim and cholim. Turn the mic. Okay. Ah, okay. I'll take the mic with me. The Seder. Okay. Okay. I'll try my best. Here we go. Then we have the To'ei Yam and the To'ei Midbar. Who are the shut outs. Okay. Now, the... I'm going to put it back. I just have to juggle here. Okay. There are the people who are shut in, who are, if you imagine life, meaning where the people are, where things are happening, where everything's taking place, right? Where we, you know, we want to be and we're involved in life. If you imagine life as this kind of a donut or bagel or whatever you'd like, then, then there are those people who are kind of in the inside trying to get out to life. Right? Person who is sick and can't get out of their room, can't get out of their house. The person who is imprisoned and can't get out to where life is happening, to where everything's going on, right? And then there are the people who are the, for lack of a better term, the shut outs, the to'e yam, the to'e midbar, the people who are outside of civilization, outside of society, outside of where it's all happening, trying to get back in, okay? Right? And that's exactly how the Pesukim describe them. We take a look. To'e midbar bishimon derech ir moshav lo matzav. They're not able to find civilization. They're not able to find where people are dwelling, where people are living, where people are located. They're trying to get in. Okay? So, watch the beauty of the structure of the parak. What do we have here? We have the two sections that are parallel to each other. Right? The first and the last. The first and the fourth. Which are the to'e midbar and the to'e yam. The extremities of the of the of the structure; those outer sections are the people who are on the periphery trying to come in, and those who are in the middle, section two and section three, right? In other words, in terms of the structure of the parak, the middle sections are the people who are in the middle, in the inside, who are trying to break out to get out to where it's happening, right? So this is what I mean. That number one, if you look at the psukim. The, the structure, the chiastic structure will, is explicit in the psukim in terms of the Vayezaku and the Vayezaku, for example, in terms of where the nuns are located. But more than that, right, the, the, there is this tremendous meaning to who's on the outside, who's on the inside, and there's a conceptual parallelism between one and four and between two and three. They're right, they're examples of the same idea. Now, I'm not done with what I mean that this is in the psukim. I want to show you that I didn't make this up, okay? I try never to make anything up. This is, it's very simple. It's right there. The Psukim tell us. We just have to have our eyes open. Let's take a look. Let's now go back to the first page, okay? And let's read the Psukim that we skipped. The first three Psukim, the Hakdama, the Koteret, right? The, the introduction to this section, and let's see what these three Psukim say. Hodu ladonai kitov kilolam chasto. Okay, calls. It's a call to give hoda to Hashem because of His goodness. Hodu Hashem kitov kilolam chasto. Yomru geulei adonai asher gaalam miyad sar umiaratzot kibtsam mimizrach mimarav mitzafon umiyam. Right, right there in the psukim. It says 
We should give hodah to Hashem because of the tov and the chesed, which is exactly the refrain that we have throughout the four sections. It's a call to give hodah to Hashem because it's tov, because of the chesed. And who? Who? Number one, the people asher ge'alam miyad tsar, right? Those who are in a narrow straits, those who are constricted, those who are, who are, who are, who are constricted and are unable to get out, right? That's section two and three. Asher ge'alam yatsar, the people who Hashem redeemed from their constraints, from the, the tsarot, from their, their suffering, but it means, it comes to the word tsar, narrow, constri- constricted, confined. And the second category is Pasuk Gimel, kibzam, who are gathered in Nimizrach, Marav, right, from the four corners. In other words, if you look at the picture, you can see the people who are on the outside who have to be gathered in, right? The people who are freed from the Tsar, people who are gathered in from all the, the peripheries. Okay, so therefore, if you look at the introduction where it tells us what is the parak going to talk about, this is exactly what it's going to talk about. It's going to talk about those people who need to be brought out because they're shut-ins, and those people have to be brought in because they are shut-outs. Okay? So that's what the parak is about. Those are the four categories, and that's the Arbar Chayam Lahoda. Back to page two. Back to page two. Number one, if you take a look, okay, in the, I don't know how to describe it, the third box from the bottom, I would say. Third box from the bottom. Midrash chaserot v'yiterot. Okay? There's this little midrash called Midrash chaserot v'yiterot. It appears in um, the in the Bate uh, Midrashot of Bertheimer, and there in this Midrash it talks about all the places we have Chaser and Yatir and uh, I'm not saying that right, but anyhow, um, in 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 Tanakh, and one of the things it talks about is the Nun Hafuchas, and it asks a simple question: it says, why is there a Nun Hafucha on Shvoch Buz? Why is it there? And it gives the following answer. Chazal say the following: Lama? Why? Okay, and that's why I use the phrase toe midbar and toe yam. The midrash is telling us that someone who is toe in the midbar and someone who is toe in the yam, these are equivalent or parallel ideas, right? Being being lost in the desert, being lost at sea, it's the same basic idea. In other words, what I'm pointing out is that the parallelism of the nun hafuchas that we have. Concerning the re, the return to the first section parallels the one that the ones that we have in the fourth section. Okay, so that's again about this idea. You see Chazal alluding to this idea of the of the structure of the uh, of the parak. Um, if you look at the Gemara in Brachot, there's a very interesting nuance in the in the Gemara, and I'm not going to try to deal with the entirety of the question. Okay, it's an old and and there's a lot said about it. I just wanted to touch on one possibility about half the question that's relevant to us. Again, I said I have a particular focus here. And we're going to try to stick to it, um, more or less. The Gemara in Brachot, which we've seen before, we saw earlier. Arba Tzrichim Lohodot. So there are four people who have to give thanks to Hashem. Who are they? Your day Hayam. Okay, watch carefully. Your day hayam, which is section number four. Next is holchei midbarot. That's section one. Okay. Next we have mishayacholev nitrape, and then we have mishayachavush beitasrim. So although, and you go on the rest of the Gemara and Brachot, it's very clear, and it's not even something you have to figure out. The Gemara says explicitly that this is based on Tehillim Kovzayin. It tells us exactly the Psukim, where it comes from. It's clearly a summary of what you get out of this parak of Tehillim. And yet, for some reason, instead of being one, two, three, four, it's all out of order, right? And we start, and I'm just going to focus on the first two, we start with four and then one. What's it coming from? So this is an old question, as I said. It was already asked of, of Rav Haigon. And the Aruch, the Aruch, the, it's known as the first Talmudic dictionary, but so much more than that. Very, very important sefer of uh, Renaton of Rome, a contemporary of, of Rashi's, um, collects a tremendous amount of material from Gaonim and early Rishonim. He says as follows. 
Shalul ifnei Rav Haizal, asked the great Rav Haigon, Had Amar Rav Yehuda, Dalat Srikhan Lhodot, my time alone, Rinan Rabbanan, Kisidura Dekra, why is it not in the order of the Psukim? Okay, and Rav Haigon has his explanation, which he gives, which everyone's invited to go to the Arach and look it up. I'm not going to go into that now. As I said again, laser focus. Okay, so we're not going to get into that. But what is interesting is, notice what the Gemara does. It puts together four and one and two and three. It doesn't go in the order of the Psukim, but it takes note, I think, and reflects the type of structure that we're talking about. And Davka, four and then one, I have a very strong feeling that this has to do with the Nun HaFulchas, right? The fact that we first have the Nun HaFulchas in section four, and then it repeats in section one, especially since I know that Chazal do address this um, in the Midrash Chaser of Beterot. Okay. Just a quick Ha'ara. Uh, okay, so let's take a quick pause. And next question. This is my opportunity to get in my little bit of coffee here. Without turning the page. Without turning the page. Okay. Who can tell me? Someone is turning the page. Okay. Without turning the page, I would like to know, please, what other nun hafuchas do we have in all of Tanakh? Okay. We're going to do all of them today, Blineda. Okay. So, Vahib and Rome, we have in Bamidbar and Sefer Bamidbar, we have the section of Vahib and Saharon is, is bracketed off by these nun hafuchas. Excellent. We either know that from the, from the Torah and Sefer Bamidbar, we know it from the Gemara, depending on where we come from and where we went to school, whatever it is, right? So we know the Nunaf, very good, wait, still don't turn the page. One more place. Who can tell me one more place? Did you turn the page? <laughs> what? Balkari, excellent, okay. So, beautiful. So we have two more places. I'm not talking about how many individual Nuns, but two more places in Tanakh Sachakol, two more, where we have Nun Afuchas. One is on the Pasuk of Vayama Terach B'charam, but don't look in your Tanakh because it's not there. Okay, but Rashi brings it from Chazal, and they're in this tremendous discussion in Mepharshim. What exactly is that talking about? Is it the Nun of the word Haran? Is it a Nun Hafuchah? Whatever it is, but there's some kind of a Nun Hafuchah, okay, which again is not in our Tanakhs. But there was this Nun Hafuchah of sorts. Again, if you want to see more about the whole, that and many other things about Nun Hafuchah, a great place to get started is in Rabbi Nachum Kasher's uh, Torah Shlema, in the volume about the different otiot, different types of strange otiot, and he has a whole section on Nun Hafuchahs. We're not overlapping with anything he talks about there as far as I remember, but, but that's, we just have a different focus for today, but that's where you can look about this. But in any case, Bayama Terah B'charan is one, and the other is Right, the Vahib and Saharon Nun Hafuchas. Now, let's again try to take stock. Okay, so we have Sahakol. I'm gonna, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about individual nuns, but context. We have really four Nun Hafuchas in Tanakh. Okay, two in Sefer Tehillim, in Kufzayin, and two in Chumash. Okay, I'm not going to discuss today the parallelism between Chumash and Sefer Tehillim and the five books and the correspondence one-to-one that Chazal talk about in the Midrash. It's very, very important, but it's just not today. But we are going to talk about the fact that there is a very significant fa- significant uh, point here about the parallelism between what we have in Chumash and we have in Tehillim here. Okay? So let's take a look. What are the, what are the, what are these cases? So, now we can turn the page. Big sigh of relief. Okay, here we go. So we have the Nun Hafuchas of Vahib and Sararon. Okay, and tremendous amount of discussion about that, which we're not going to go into, but um, that's one. What do these Nun Hafuchas signify? So I don't mean about whether it's Sefer Bifnei and all that and, you know, different discussion, but I'm saying in terms of the flow of things in Bamidbar, why is this section bracketed off? Why is this, you know, such, what, what is being said here by these Nun Hafuchas? So basically, an idea that many people speak about, whether a famous shear by Rav Salavich, that's all, but it really goes back much, much further to the Svarno, talks about the basic idea. Basically, this is the turning point between the two halves of Sefer Bamidbar, right? Until this point, we have, through Vahim and Saharon, we're preparing to go into Eretz Yisrael, 
right? The first ten prakim of Bamidbar are all the preparations, the Koyotzei Tzavah Yisrael organizing the army, the Pekutim that are involved with that, the fact that if you look at the Mishkan in Sefer Bamidbar, it's presented very differently than in Shemot and in Vayikra. Each one is presented differently. In Shemot, the second half of Shemot, it's basically the Vasul Mikdash Rishachat Betocham. In Vayikra, it's basically the Karbanot. In Bamidbar, it's basically the focal point of the military camp, right? The, the Shrina going forward and, and Hashem Yilachem Lachem, that's the focus here. And that's why, who are the heroes? Who are the heroes in Shmot Vayikra? Who are the, the central characters in the, in the, I don't mean, I mean a category of people. Basically, Sheva Levi, right? We're talking about the Levim, the Kohanim and Levim. Right? We have Leviticus, but then we come to Bamidbar, and you barely hear in Rashi, based on the Midrash, comments on this, we barely hear about the, the Kohanim Levim. Who do we hear about now? The Nesim, right? Because now we're talking about the Mishkan as a central... It's all preparation for Kibosh Haaretz. And we're going forward and we're moving towards Kibosh Haaretz and everything in those ten is about that. We move forward. We come to Vahib and Soar Aron, Vayomer Moshe. And it's all about Kibosh Haaretz. Kum Hashem V'yafut Tzoyvecha, V'yanus M'sanecha M'panecha, right? And the idea, we're going to sell them to Eretz Israel and all of that. And then everything falls apart. And that's Vahib and Soharon, right? That's, that, that's the turning point. So the Nun Hafuchas are the demarcation where we go from the going from, as we have at the Sned, that we're going to go from, and many other places, and we're going to go from Yitzhak Mitzrayim to Kibosh Haaretz. Now we move into the phase of Dor Hamidbar. Right? So the Nun Hafuchas here really are the cutoff point from our, where we're going from Migaula Ligaula, we're going from Gulat Mitzrayim to Kibosh Haaretz, to where now we're moving into Dor Hamidbar. Okay? So that's one of the Nun Hafuchas, it's about Dor Hamidbar. The other one, Vayama Terach Bacharan. So let's take a look. Okay. Rashi, Breshit Yud Aleph. Okay, second source, second source on the third page. Bicharan, Hanun, Hafucha, Lomarlacha, Ad Avraham, Hayacharon Av, Shomakom Ba'olam. Okay, until this point, we're now beginning, we're about to begin the story of Avram Avinu. But until Avram Avinu, there's Haron Av Ba'olam. Right? Hashem's anger, Hashem's furious in the world. Now, what is that period that precedes, right? Can we come to the generation of Avramavinu? But what is that generation that is marked off by the Nunafuchab, by Vayama Terapacharan, telling us that until this point is Kharon Av? Whose generation or generations are we talking about? Noah. We're talking about the, 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 at least the latter part, the latter part of, of Noah's life, which encompasses many different things. And we'll get to, but, but we're talking about, you know, we're saying is until we, we, Right. Okay. Just for fun. Just for fun. I'm just curious. Um, just for fun. We'll do this very quickly. Who can tell me how many years, ballpark, how many years from Noah to Abraham? Years. How many years about? Death. Death. Excellent. Okay. Good. So. They overlap by 58 years. Okay? This is something that's pointed out already in the earliest extant midrash that we have, Seder Olam Rabbah. Okay, Seder Olam Rabbah points it out, Ray. Noah dies when Avram is already 58 years old. Okay? And Ibn Ezra even talks about the being a, the gematria of Noah, right? Really, with the last person we expect to say. But anyhow, it's not important. The Kitsur, but Noah, right, the gematria of Noah is 58. They overlap by 58 years. Okay, they may have had Shalosuris together. I don't know. doesn't say. <laughs> but the point is that, we'll see, that's, that's very significant because I think that most people walk around with the idea and most times when I ask the question, I'm pleasantly surprised, but usually you get answers like 200 years, 500 years, 1,000 years, you know, because after all, we all know the famous Rashi, Par, you know, parroting Chazal, repeating the idea of Chazal, that Ilu Avram that were he to have been in the generation of, you know, so we assume, but he was, 
Right? So we'll get to why that, you know, that's, that's exactly where I'm headed right, right now. So in any case, we have these two, we have these two, um, nun hafuchas in Chumash, right? Now, here's where, here's where it gets interesting. You're waiting, right? Here's where it gets interesting. Follow this carefully. We have in all of Tanakh, we have four contexts. That's it. Of nun hafuchas. Okay? Four of them. Two in Tilm Kuvzayin, and two in Chumash. What are the two in Tehillim? Let's go backwards. Start in two in Tehillim. Toei Midbar and Toei Yam. Where Toei Yam really comes first. That's the first Nun HaFuchas. Toei Yam and Toei Midbar. What are the Nun HaFuchas in Chumash? We have the generation of Noach. Right? You might have something to do with, you know, Toei Yam. And for example, if you look at the Pasuk, what does it talk about? It talks about Yachugu, right, going around in circles, dr- drunkenly, and losing all of his chachma. That's, if that's not a description of Noah, I don't know what it is. So we have this, and, and the, the person who goes in the, the mighty waters, and the, right, this is, it's such a vivid description of Noah, the, the toe, the toe yam, right, is exactly a depiction of Noah and his generation. And the other is toe midbar. Who are the Toei Midbar, right? And Chazal, of course, comment on this as well. Okay, and it's someplace here, but not right over here. It's, I think, on the second side, maybe. Someplace. Okay, someplace. We have to move forward. Okay, we have too much to do. In any case, Midrash Tanchuma. No, 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 that's not it. Midrash Tehillim. Midrash Tehillim. There it is. Midrash Tehillim. Okay, third source on the third page. Okay, which is exactly saying that the Toei Midbar of Tehillim is alluding to the Dor Midbar. Okay, the Dor Midbar. So in other words, what do we have? We have Toei Yam and Toei Midbar in that order. This exactly echoes the two nun hafuchas that we have in Chumash. So what I'm saying is that rather than a bunch of these random nun hafuchas that we need to look for and understanding of their type of parentheses, brackets, whatever, what other theories that exist, perhaps there's something much more and deeper going on here and that actually all of these nun hafuchas all are part, this is what you see from Tilm Kovzayin, I think, that the Nunafucha in Brace and the Nunafucha in Bamidbar is part of one idea, this one broader framework for it. The Nunafuchas in Tehillim then just echo those Nunafuchas that we have in Chumash. Okay, what does that mean? So we'll see Bezra Hashem over the next few minutes. Quick a few words about Noah. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Noah, we know, was a great tzaddik. I understand that. Noah was great. But we also know that the Torah does not only present the positive, what comes to Noah for sure, he presents very clearly the negative or at least in relative terms, right? Meaning, I'm not saying that Noah, Noah never does anything terrible, but, but, compared to what our expectations for him are, compared to what we would have hoped for from Noah, certainly falls short, okay? And that Chazal say in so many words, in many different places, I'm not going to go through all of them now, but there are many, many references to that in Chazal and the Farshim, but clearly in Chazal, and but certainly the, the the first example of that is exactly what we talked about before, right? That right? So the answer is very simple. Avraham, I'm sorry, Noah's death. When does the Torah talk about Noah dying? Not after Avram is introduced and we've already you know met Avram. And Noah's death is recorded. Right after the story of coming out of the teva and planting the vineyard and giving the brachot and cloud to his children and and that's it and then and Noah dies, Noah dies almost very close to three and a half centuries later. But it's Kiilu he dies then because we don't hear anything about Noah. I don't think even in Chazal, but certainly not in the Pesukim. Nothing about Noah after that point. That's the end of the story of Noah. Three and a half centuries, right? What could Noah have accomplished in three and a half centuries? But nothing, right? It's total silence. As if he had died already. He's there, but 
Zau. And it always bothered me. How could someone as great as Noah? How does it? How does it happen that that such a fist was? What what happened? Such a disappointment. Well, what it what? And I think that there is a possible answer, which I'd like to suggest, which at least at least a partial answer to what happens to Noah, which has, is in and of itself very very important. But in terms of our purposes, it's not central. It's a small cul-de-sac. But I want to just go through it for a few minutes because I think it's important for itself. I think it also sheds some light on just this whole idea that there's this kind of this kind of disappointment in the story, the end of the story of Noah. So very briefly, because that's all we can do, very briefly, what is this, what, what happens? So there are three keys. There are three keys to the story of Noah and Noah's relative downfall. Chazal tell us already that talks about the contrast in Bresh Rabbah between Moshe Rabbeinu and, and Noah. Not everything's on the sheep, but most of it is. Um, that that um, whereas Moshe Rabbeinu was first called Ish Mitzri, and then later he's called Ish Halokim, right? So he ascends throughout his lifetime from Ish Mitzri, this Egyptian guy, you know, who saved us, as Yitro's daughters say, to this Ish Halokim, as he's described at the end of Chumash. By Noah, it's the opposite. He starts as Ish Sadiq, and in the end, Ish Hadama. Right? This opposite. Now, what interests me particularly here is not the fact that there is a decline, but something else. That clue number one to understanding Noah is understand that when you talk about Noah, when, when, at what stage of his life, is very important. Okay? The when is very important. That's number one. Number two. Number two is found in the Midrash Tanchuma that we all know. This is the fourth source on the third page. Midrash Tanchuma, Parsha Noach, where it says the famous idea that we said before that Ela Toldot Noach, Noach is Sadiq, Tamim Ayah Bedorotav, Mao Bedorotav, Yesh Toshim Lishfach, Yesh Toshim Lagnai. Okay, let's be accurate. Some say that the fact that it qualifies and says Bidorotav in his generations, some say that that word is Lishfach, that's adding to his praise, and some say it's Lignai, it's taking away, it's limiting, uh, mitigating his, his greatness. It doesn't mean that it's saying something negative about him, but it means it's saying it's taking away, it's being Gorea from his Shvach. Okay? Sadiq Bidorotav, Lo Bidorot Achirim. And then it gives him a shawl, which we don't need to go into, and it goes, etc. Uh, we go to the end. Concludes the midrash. Ilu hayta. Um, no, that's not the end of it. Sorry, the end of it is found below in the two parallel boxes. B'dorot tavlo, b'dorot achirim. Rabbi Yehuda ben Chemya, Chanamar, etc., etc. Shilu ya b'dorot shal Avram Avinu lo matzav yadav raglav. Right, he would have been nothing in the generation of of Avram Avinu. The parallel to that embrace your rabbi. It's interesting. Does not say b'dorot shal Avraham, which is the way Rashi quotes it. So that's how we all know it. But it says Bedoro Shel Moshe Rabbeinu, which is very interesting because, right, because he was Bedoro Shel Avram Avinu. So, um, in any case, but Rashi chooses the Midrash Tanchuma over the Bresha Rabbah here, and that's the one that, you know, became very famous. So the second key, what's the second key? The second key is that Noah is complicated. There is positive and, relatively speaking, negative, meaning mitigation of the greatness, Number one, but it's the second half to the second point, and that is, and where do we find that in this pasuk? Okay, tamim hayabedorotav. Okay, sadik tamim hayabedorotav. Okay, clue number three. Clue number three is found in a phenomenal parish on Chumash that's uh, unfortunately very underused. It's also not so available, but the run on Breshit, where he says the following: Khan et Elohim italech Noach. V'lo amar lifnei ha'elohim k'moshe katuv hitalech lefanai by Avram Avinu ki ilu amar came word to have said that Hayam Moreh would be teaching us Shavad et Hashem that he that he served Hashem right but that's not what it means V'lo ba'kan al zot ha'kavanah that's not the point here it doesn't mean it's not true but it's not the point El atet siba eich hayat tzadik v'tamim bein anshei avel v'chamas v'amar the Torah is answering a question. How did Noah succeed in being a tzaddik? How was he able to be a tzaddik in a generation that was so corrupt, that was so evil, that was so pervasively evil? The answer is, V'amar shayaz et imam. 
I think the Ron is saying here an incredible idea. Everyone talks about how Noah was a tzaddik, but he was a tzaddik in pelts. Right? That he was a tzaddik, but he didn't worry about his generation, he worry about the other people, he wasn't involved with the society, he was only concerned about himself. That's how it's usually presented. The Ron says the opposite. The Ron says no, that the greatness of Noah was that he was in a society that was so corrupt, so evil, so irredeemable, he couldn't have done anything. What could he have done with a whole generation of people who were so thoroughly evil, with all society was so evil? There's only one thing he could do. Exactly. He could, could be him and God, and there I'm with Hashem, and I have nothing to do with them. I'm totally disconnected from them. And that's what Noah's greatness was. Now, which is again from that same pasuk of Tamim Hayabadorotav, right? Notice it's the same pasuk. Okay? Now, let's, let's go a step further. We put these three together. We reach an interesting conclusion. We know that there's a common psychological phenomenon and I know I'm out of my depth here, it's not my field, but I believe that this is a simple enough point that I can get away with, hopefully. And that is that there's a common problem that we human beings have. That very often, and sometimes it's pathological, and sometimes it's just, you know, a, 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 you know just a small problem, but, but there's a certain tendency that we have as human beings that we will sometimes, at one stage in life, or in one circumstance, we will have a certain way of dealing with things, a certain way of, of living that works beautifully in that circumstance, like when we're two years old, or when we're five years old, or when we're 15, whatever it is. And then we're at a different stage of life, and what do we do? We're a different circumstance, a different context, and it worked before, so I keep on trying to do it now, and it doesn't work because it just, it's not the right context, right? So if, if I have a temper tantrum when I'm, you know, 60 instead of when I'm six, or, you know, it's a problem, right? But that's what people do. That's how human beings are. Right? We're that way as individuals. We're that way as communities. That's the way we are. Right? Something works. We stick with it, even if it's a different, right? You know, we're fighting the last war, but it's a different war. And that's what I think happens with Noah. I think that's at least a major part of the story. What happens with Noah? Noah pre-Mabul, right? Noah pre-Mabul has a, a way of, of he has a he has a approach to life, he has a way of living that works. Hashem turns and says, You are the one and only type in this whole generation, you're doing great. Before the Mabu he has a great plan. What's his plan of action? Et Halokim Hitalech Noach. Just him and God. He's totally separate from them because that's the right answer to that situation where he's in a generation which is totally corrupt and totally evil. But after the Mabu he comes out of the table and he's after the Mabul. And the world, and this is the point of the Mabul, is to clear away everything that was evil. And to start again, and to start afresh, instead of Hashem saying that, you know, that, that I'm going to dis- destroy mankind, Hashem says, you know, I'm not going to destroy mankind. Instead of saying I'm going to curse it. And every, it's a totally different approach, and a totally different situation, and it's a totally different opportunity. That now, who is there? There's Noah and his family. And Noah now has the opportunity to be involved with the society and to contribute and to make it better, etc. And what does he do? He does something very understandable, very human. He doesn't do anything wrong. But he continues on the same road that he was on before. But the promise of the world around him has changed. And so he's doing his same thing. But before it was, wow. And now, it's not bad, but it's not... It's not the right answer. It's not great. And if you look closely at the Pesukim, you can really see this, I think. And let's take a look for a moment, just very quickly. If you look at the bottom of the page. Yes, I'm on page three. As I said, the bottom of the page. Bottom of the page, take a look. And I'm going to tell you exactly, but I have to find the place before I can tell you where it is. <laughs> so if it's the bottom of the page. Okay, here we go. Two Pesukim that are side by side in the two boxes, not the bottom two parallel boxes, but right above that, right above the Gemara and Erevin. Breshit Vav and Breshit Zion. Two different Pesukim. And Chazal and the Gemara and Erevin, which you have below, already tells us about the, the tension between the two. And the Gemara gives one answer, and I'm going to give a different answer, al and But let's take a look first at the Pesukim. Eila toldot Noach. Noach eats tzadik tamim ayabadorotav et alohim et Noach. Okay? I'm not going to translate because I can't without uh, taking sides, but in any case, 
I spread it one way. The way that Chazal read it actually in the Gemara and Erevin is Okay, and Breshit Perak Zayin, the next Perak, Chazal point out that there's a difference between the two. In the first, it talks about Tzadik and Tamim, or Tzadik Tamim, right? In the second, it only talks about Tzadik. The second one, it talks about what it's talking about? Tzadik, right? It doesn't talk about Tamim. Number one, there's another difference between the two, and so Chazal said the famous thing about Miksat Shvachal B'fanim. Okay, B'seder. That's the Gemara Nerevin. But, there's another difference that in Paragvav it talks about Bidorotav. Okay? In all of his generations. In, in Parag Zion it talks about Bador Hazet in this generation. And we could perhaps read the Psukim in the following way. And I think this is really Pshutos from Mikrat, but you judge for yourselves. And that is the following. And again, I know this is not the way that's, that it's broken up by the Gemara, but I think that it really is the Pshat. Ere Toldot Noach. Noach is Tzadik. Okay, Noach was a Tzadik. Kama. Okay, Noach was a Tzadik. Now, when was this said? At what point? Before the Mabel. Okay? As it says in Perak Zayin. Noach is a tzaddik, bador hazeh, in the generation before the Mabel. But as the Torah, tamim haya bidorotav. He's without flaw, without fault, throughout all of his generations. Meaning, Noach doesn't kill during any of his generations. He doesn't steal during any of his generations. He doesn't do anything bad. Even more, he doesn't do anything wrong. He's, he's tamim. He's perfect. He does, I'm not saying just doesn't do bad things. He does, he does good things. He's, you know, in terms of himself, he is tamim throughout his, not just in that generation, but bidorotav throughout his life, throughout all the generations. He doesn't do anything wrong. He does everything right. Wonderful. But says Hashem to Noah, kiotcha ra'iti tzadik lefanai bador hazeh. In that generation, in the generation before the Mabul, then et halohim et which is the continuation of the Pasuk in Parak Vav, that makes you a tzaddik, right? Et halohim et makes you a tzaddik, bador But bidorotav, throughout the future generations, that doesn't cut it. That's not good enough. That you, You're still tamim. You haven't done anything wrong. You haven't messed up anything, but, but not tzaddik for just separating yourself from, from this good society. That's not what, what's called for. In any case, the idea that I'm trying to bring out, whether you accept my particular model of it or not, but what's certainly clear is that there's an element of Noah not accomplishing everything he could have. right? Not being everything that he could have, not doing everything that he could have, which I think certainly is clear in the Torah and in Divrei Chazal. Okay, let's turn the page. Huh? So we have, really, what we have is two pairs of nun hafuchas, right? Two pairs of two pairs, right? We have the two pairs in Chumash, the the door of Noach and the door of door of Midbar, and we have two in Tehillim paroling, echoing it in Tehillim Kovzayin, Toei Midbar, and Toeiyam and Toei Midbar. Meseder. There's a fascinating Chazal, really, but I'll quote it from Rashi. But really comes from Chazal. Where Rashi, I'm sure we all know this, Rashi in Breshit, um, sorry, this is in Breshit Perak Vav, I should put it on my glasses, Perak Vav, Pasuk Yudal, this is the top of page four. Betevato shal Moshe al Yidei shayu hamayim tashim, okay, dayal bechomer bimifnim vizem bichutz, vol kadesh lo yariach oto tzadik, reach ra, shal zefet, aval, Right. Basically, Chazal and Rashi asked a very simple question. Why is the Teva of Noah tarred right, inside and outside as opposed to the Teva of Moshe? And, you, and they, they're, they're answers. And you stop to think for a minute, what kind of a question is that? 
That's like the stupidest question. The Teva of Noah is three stories high and it's a humongous and it's carrying all these species of animals and people and food supplies for a year and it has to, it's going in the middle of this huge deluge and all this is going. That's the Teva of Noah. And then with the Teva of Moshe, which is this little thing for a three-month-old baby in the calm waters on the, you know, in the reeds, that's how long was it supposed to last for after all? I mean, how long could a baby survive by itself? If it's not, if he's not picked up by someone, that's it. It's going to survive for a few hours, a day maybe, right? I don't know the exact amount of time, but certainly not for a year and certainly not through storms and certainly there were no other animals and people and food and it, you're asking, like, it's like asking, why would you have, you know, a, an F-14 and a, and a paper airplane constructed differently? Like, well, what's the, what's the Havamina? Why would I think that they're constructed the same way that I'm going to ask right, But Chazala pointed out something very, very important. And very often these type of questions point to a major perspective in Tanakh. Forget about the answer. The question themselves very often point to a major perspective in Tanakh. Chazala pointing to something very important. We have an idea which is a long discussion, many hours, many hours at least. Um, but very, just the Kitsunimrats is the, the very, very, very essence. There's an idea that appears in many different Mepharshim, earlier and later. But the person who says it most clearly first that I'm aware of, so I'm going to quote him, but certainly he's not the first one to mention the idea. It appears in the Ramban, it appears in Rabbi Yudha Levian. Um, but, but the Tzvar Hamor, which is a phenomenal sefer on Chumash. The Tzorah Amor of Rav Aram Saba. The Tzorah Amor says the same basic idea in two different contexts. And it's very, very important in each context, but it's also important in terms of, in terms of the other. The Tzorah Amor points out that, and you have one of them here, I didn't put both of them in, but here's the one that's easier to see. Tzorah Amor in the beginning of Shemot has this beautiful discussion for a couple of pages. There's only a little snippet of it. Where he says, again, this is the idea that already appears in the Kuzari briefly, but very briefly in the Ramban, very briefly, that if you look at the process of Yitziat Mitzrayim, if you look particularly at the Eser Makot, and it's as well, but if you look at the Eser Makot, we have a process of wiping out, of nullifying Sidre Breshit. All of creation is basically wiped out. All of Masse Breshit from the beginning of Sefer Breshit is wiped out stage by stage in a very, very um, organized way, actually, but that's a long story. And what happens is that they're all put back in place. Okay? Paro says, I don't believe that Hashem created the world, etc. Hashem says, I'm going to show you. Okay? And that's why, says the Torah more, we say in Kiddush, and this reflects what it says in the Asar Dibrot, that Shabbos is both Zecha Litzat Mitzrayim and Zecha Lamasebration, right? Because we weren't there for creation. We weren't there for Masebration. But we saw it. We saw Hashem as the Creator through through Yitziat Mitzrayim, through the Eser Mako, right? So in Yitziat Mitzrayim, the world is wiped out, so to speak, conceptually, right? And put back into place, okay? And we see this in so many different ways. Again, not for today, because we only have a few minutes left. But, Meseder, the world is, right? The same thing happens, says the Tzorah more, in the Mabul. You read carefully, if you read the Pesukim carefully in Parsha Noach, all of Sidre Bresha are wiped out and then carefully reinstated one by one. There's a parallelism between what happens in the generation of Noah and the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Teva is an allusion to that idea. right? The Teva of Moshe, when we read about the Teva of Moshe, we're supposed to immediately say, ah, Teva, I know about Teva. You know, right? that, that's the story of Noah. And the point is that there's this tremendous parallelism between what the generation of Noah experiences, namely seeing the world recreated. They see the Masei Bresha in front of them. They see Hashem as the Creator right in front of their eyes. And the same thing is true of the generation of Moshe, the generation of Yotzei Mitzrayim, who later become the Dor HaMidbar. And that's why Chazal say, ah, the Teva here is supposed to connect to the Teva there. So why does one have Tar here and one has Tar there, right? So that, that's the, what Chazal are alluding to. But the point is that there's this tremendous parallelism between the experience... Again, so those two generations have a similar experience. And this brings us to the essence of Tehillim Kuvzayim. Tehillim Kuvzayim tells us a very, very important message. 
Okay, but don't leave at the end of the message because we're not done. We're almost done, but not quite. The message of say of Tilm Kozayin, I believe, is the following. Tilm Kozayin talks about two things: one on the surface and one beneath the surface. On the surface, it talks about our Chayavim Lahodot, our Bar Lahodot. It talks about people who get better from an illness or come out of jail or successfully navigate the sea and come back to dry land or come out of the desert safely, whatever the case may be. People who experience Maseh Hashem, they see Yan Hashem in a very normal, everyday, mundane, subtle way. Things that happen to normal people all the time, perfectly, you know, natural things, but if a person is looking... If a person sees it and utilizes it, internalizes it and runs with it, right, we can be Mekai Shem Shamayim in huge ways and there can, you know, we can, as the Sukkim talk about, declaring Bikal Am about, you know, about Masay Hashem and the Nisan and the Hamti and talk about how we see Hashem through this. At the same time, there's a second level to Tilm Kosayim, what's beneath the surface, the story of Dora Midbar, the story of, of the, the door of Noah. And how it's possible, and this is the incredible thing, it's possible to experience what Noah experienced of going through this recreation of the world in the time of the Mabul. It's possible to go through what the Dor Yotzei Mitzrayim, the generation that ends up to be Dor Midbar, to experience everything they experience and to see the recreation of the world, to experience Yitzhak Mitzrayim and Matan Torah and all of that, and end up as Dor Midbar. Because although we always, you know, claim and think otherwise, it's not a question of what Hashem shows us, what opportunities to see Him there that are critical and that determine the course of our lives and what we accomplish and what we don't accomplish and what we do and we don't do and what kind of a life we lead. It's what we do with what Hashem shows us. When Hashem shows us that He's there, that's important. And it's possible for a person on the one hand to go through the greatest Nisim in the world, the greatest Nisim in human history, and the next day to just forget about it and move on and then become Dora Midmar, become Noah, or you know, retire for 350. Or it's possible to just go through a normal, everyday experience and see Yad Hashem and be transformed by and be able to not only change our own lives, but be able to change the lives of people around us as well. And that's the contrast that you have, the tension that you have in Tilm Kufsayin, I believe, the two levels of meaning, and that's what the Nun HaFucha signifies. The Nun HaFucha signifies the places in Tanakh, first in Chumash, and then echoed in Tehillim, where you have this idea. And it's very striking that, we, you know, Noach and Avram are always contrasted in Chumash and in Chazal and in Barshim. And it's so powerful that Avram Avinu, how does he become Avram Avinu? It's not because he has any tremendous, you know, earth-shattering experience of, of you know, Kriyat Yamsuf, Eser Makot, or Mabul, he looks at the stars and at the moon and the sky and says like, Mi bara ela, and, you know, who's the Adona Bira? And they, he just looks at what's around him and says, and internalizes and it changes him and it changes the rest of world history. And that's the point of Tilm Kovzayim. That's the point, I think, of the Nun Hafucha that is taught to us through Tilm, through Tilm Kovzayim. Some of this, just to show you very quickly, is echoed in the Tzorah Hamor, for example, again, yes, I'm very fond of the Tzorah Hamor. I tell you, there's some wild things in the Tzorah Hamor also, don't be put off, but you, you should know, I, there was one year, I, I tried to, each year, to look at a different Mefarish, at least each year, uh, not necessarily always different, but, you know, yeah, but, but a Mefarish each year, and, and one year I was going through the Tzorah Hamor, and I went through it, I think, through the whole Sefer, I think, uh, may have missed something at some point, may life got too busy, but I think I, Every parasha, I found something amazing. At least one gem in every parasha. Okay, now I, I'm not saying every last thing they said, but every parasha there was some gem. It's just an amazing, amazing sefer. Anyhow, so Tzramor points out that by Noah, it talks about his rolling around drunk in the tent. He uses the word ahalo with a hey at the end, like we find by Avram Avinu. Right, this contrast between what's accomplished by the two of them, one who, okay. Um, the Baal Turim points out Vayita, there are three places where it talks about Vayita, okay, three of them Vayita Karim, Vayita Gan Be'eden Vayita Eishel. In other words we have the, the starting of the problems of mankind in the Gan Eden we have Avma Vinu who rectifies things 
And we have Noah who fails to do so. I don't think it's me. <laughs> okay. In any case. Okay. Beseda. We're almost done in any case. I just want to go one more step. One more step. And that's the following. So, everything that we've done until now, everything that we've done until now, no I'm, I don't expect of anybody else to, to agree with me, but I believe that everything we did until now is absolutely 100% solid. Meaning like, it's just shot, it's there, I don't, I don't think there's anything um, debatable. Again, this doesn't mean everyone's welcome to debate, but I'm saying, but I don't think there's anything debatable. I think it's like, beferish. You just have to see it, it's right there. That's until now. I want to go one step further, just one step further, which doesn't, everything we've done until now doesn't rest doesn't rise or fall on what we're about to do, but I'd like to make a suggestion about what the nun hafucha itself means. In other words, what it what it signifies is everything we did until now, right? In other words, what it signifies is these places where we have this potential that's not realized, where we have you know this falling short of the mark of Dora Midbar and paralleling the 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 door of Noah, the Toe Midbar Toyam. That I think is all very very straightforward, but I want to go one step further. Why the nun hafuch itself? What, why not an asterisk? Why not, you know, a circle? Why not a little Rabbi Akiva Eger sign? I don't know. Whatever it is that you like. Why davka nun hafucha? So I'd like to just make a suggestion. And this is totally speculation, but a suggestion. I personally think it's true, but I, I don't, you know, I'm just putting it out there. Here we go. Breshit Rabbah. Bottom of the page. Last page, last source. Am Rabbi Abar Bar Kahana, ki nichamti ki asitiv v'noach matzachen. Says the Midrash, elafilu noach shenishtayer mehem, lo shaya kedai, there's a typo, sorry, lo shaya kedai, I don't know why that happens to God, ela shenmatzachen. In other words, Chazal tell us that even noach, who was spared from the door, door from the, the, from the Mabel, even Noah, who Hashem said, he also wasn't really worthy. Now, one could spend forever on what that means exactly, but one thing is clear. Chazal point to this Pasuk as being a statement of the fact that even Noah, as great as he was, wasn't all that the Torah really wanted from him. Afilu Noah, and Mepharshim point out, and especially in light of the fact that it's not so simple how you get from I'm sorry, to Noach. Why is that Noach and not Menachem or Nachem? So many Mepharshim point out that one of the reasons why Stavka Noach is because Noach is the same letters as Chain, right? That Noach and Chain are the same letters, it's just reversed order. Okay, and if that's the case, and if this pasuk is Mirame's the idea that Noach is Eino Kedai El perhaps that's the Nun Hafucha, the Nun that tells us, don't read it right to left, read it left to right. Don't read it as Noach, read it as Chain. Right? That these Nun Hafuchas allude to the idea that Noach, as great as he was, does not reach what he had the potential to reach. Does not accomplish what he had the, the potential to accomplish. And that's the Nun Hafucha that sums up in one twist of a letter the, the perspective of the Toei Midbar and the Toei Yam, the door of Noach and the door Hamidbar. Thank you very much and good talk.